This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing owning a second property either just before retirement or in retirement. And this is not investment property. This is what we call, I guess, a personal use property. So this is not to make money. We have many clients that have been very successful having real estate as part of their portfolio and have had rents come in and do well. This is more for pleasure. It's interesting. I grew up with a cottage in my family. And so for me, having a cottage was always something that I planned to do. And I bought my first cottage. I was probably, if I do the math, I would have been 41 years old. So that was well before my retirement and certainly a lot earlier than any of my friends had purchased their own cottage. I was probably one of the first in the group to do that. There's some great pluses to it. It's a great place for the family to gather, whether it's a cottage, whether it's a farm property, a cabin in the woods. And it's great for you know a young family to grow up and have everybody there. You tend to take a little more time off because you've got a vacation property and you can be one-on-one -on -one with your family and friends, etc. It's interesting as you go through different stages of life, though, you start evaluating that cottage from different angles. What's been your experience, Mike? Again, I'm similar. I got into having a cottage in the family all through my life. And later on, I started to buy into my parents' cottage and eventually bought it out from them. So it's been very good. I love cottages. It's uh, it's part of who I am. Is that um, I'm that type of person who likes to go and fiddle and do things and gets enjoyment out of uh, going up and working on a weekend. But then I watch people who want to do it from an investment point of view, and it's a really different animal. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of the pros and cons, and and probably more towards the cons of of having that second property. And especially when you go through retirement and, you know, having, having had a vision and a view on that, just, just not with my own experience, but with neighbors and so on, you see the cottage goes through different periods and different cycles. So there's the heavy period where you're, you're using it a lot. Your kids are under 18 and they're there every weekend if possible. And they're there, at least my kids were there most of the summer and I would try and take as much time off as I could. And my wife was there all summer. Yeah. That's trickier to do today if you've got a two-income family. It's rare that both partners could be at the cottage. And I see that across the lake during the week I see very few of the cottages occupied, and that's pretty common. The other thing that happens is as your kids get older, maybe you know once they're over 18, they may start working in the city, and then they're not necessarily coming up on weekends. They're certainly not coming up for a week's holiday. In your and, case, across the country. <laughs> and in my case, they're coming from you know British Columbia, and, or, and, and, and it's, they're, they're coming at best for 10 days at a time. And if they come with a partner, then they may have to spend half their time at their partner, partner's cottage. So 
the cottage usage has gone down dramatically in this period. Our hope is that once grandchildren come along, that usage, if they're back in the province, starts to pick up again. Yeah. I see it on the lake, especially where I see these cottages. People buy cottages when their children are in the teens, and five years later, that cottage is for sale. And they, they buy these beautiful cottages. It's got all the toys, but suddenly the kids are doing exactly what my kids are doing. They're in another part of the world. They're working, and they're not coming up to the cottage, and the parents are sitting in this big cottage that's costing them a lot of money. So, let, Mike, let's drill into some of that cost. Yeah, let's look at the numbers. So let, let's start off. Number one, they're not rental properties, right? There's no real income. I mean, sometimes people Airbnb and do some things like that, but essentially you're buying this not to get income out of it. So your expenses aren't being deducted off your taxes. Again, not a rental property. You don't get, when you get your, your tax bill, when your dock breaks, when anything goes wrong in your house, that's not a tax deductible expense. If you have to borrow money to buy it, interest is not tax deductible. So you don't get a deduction for the interest, particularly where the interest rates are now. There's no tax deduction attached to that. And on top of that, your house doesn't have deductions, but your house at least has this principal residence exemption where when you sell your house, it's all tax-free. When you have a cottage and you sell it, your tax fully on the, the capital gain is going to be taxed as if you made a capital gain on a stock. So there's really no tax advantage to it whatsoever. So let's, let's take some, some, some numbers that I think might be helpful just on that thought process. So let's say you're looking at getting a cottage and, you know, in cottage country, you know, Ontario, you'd probably be looking today at a, a million and a half dollars for a reasonable four bedroom cottage on the lake, road access on a, maybe a, a medium to larger lake, I would say on the smaller lakes, you could certainly get a, a better price. If you had half a million dollars to put down, that leaves you a million dollars. Just the interest cost on that alone is going to be somewhere between fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year at today's interest rates. So that's just the interest cost. That's not putting a dollar towards that million dollars worth of debt. You start putting some money towards that debt. Even say thirty thousand a year is going towards the debt of of the million dollar mortgage, and that's if you had a half million dollars sitting in an account just to put it as down payment too. Right, it's a lot. Right. So, and we're assuming that you're actually putting down a third of the value. If yep. you were borrowing more, the cost of doing it is even higher. Let's get to what's the cost of running your cottage, Mike? What's can you it, put it in a percentage to give? the audience a little better idea of what that looks like? You know, I always say your personal house runs around 1% to 2%. Cottages, unfortunately, are a bit more harsh conditions. And we find that out. They're on lakes. If you're on water, water does damage. Water is beautiful to look at. And <laughs> we found this out. Even if you're, you know, we talk about cottage. We also talk about people going to Florida residents. If you're in Florida, the salt's eating everything away. If you're up at a cottage, the winters are going to tear things apart. You go back, it's, you know, your deck on your house, you leave there for 30 years. Every, you go into your docks of the cottage every year, there's been boards ripped up and there's stuff to do. So that costs a little bit more extra money. The other thing too is when properties are unoccupied, things go wrong. And, you know, I always say mice don't pay rent, but they do live there. <laughs> so you do have guests in your house when you're not there, but unfortunately they're mostly mice and they do damage and different animals do damage. 
I think it's interesting. We have some cameras set up around the cottage. And and part of that was we rebuilt our main cottage. And so I get to see from the cameras all the activity. And and what happens is the minute we leave, the animals move in. And 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 so I'm catching, you know, or not catching, but I'm I'm seeing on the camera the the, the raccoons and the foxes and the wolves and the squirrels like and night at the and, museum and groundhogs <laughs> and and there's always and the turkeys that are wandering down the path. What I'm not seeing is the mice and the ants and all those things that are also invading the cottage. The other thing is most cottages are even today are are made of wood. On the outside, that wood deteriorates. That wood needs painting. Even though some of them, you know, you can buy wood that lasts for 10, 20 years, you could put siding on. Siding fades after a while. It doesn't look as nice. Your house is a brick house for the most part. So that that alone makes a big difference. And the other thing is generally when you do little things, you're there to do them at home. A lot of times when things go wrong at the cottage, you're not there. And... You have to have them fixed. So you're paying a lot of people to do small repairs. That's just part of owning a cottage. A couple of other things that a cottage always comes with. It 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 has, you know, it has a dock typically, whether it's a floating dock or whether it's a steel dock or a dock built on cribs. Those docks last 10 to 15 years before every board needs to repl- be replaced. Wood, wood doesn't last nearly as long as it used to. There's some new synthetic materials, but most of them are prone to heat. And so you can't walk in your bare feet on your dock, which kind of defeats the purpose of a dock. Yeah. Even things up north, if you're not a permanent resident, hydro is more expensive. If you're, if you're not a permanent resident, they have different rates for you as a, as a cottage owner. So you pay more. And number two, the hydro is not reliable. So, you know, I don't have a generator at home, but I don't know a cottage up in my area that doesn't have a generator hooked onto yeah. it because... That's cost of being up north. <laughs> at least a, once a month, we get a power outage notice at the cottage. And I don't, I don't know whether we're in a bad zone. We're in a, you know lots of cottages around us. But at least once a month, the generator turns on and we're out for a day or two days with power. And we're not even going to the toy thing, which I like, boats and ATVs and all that stuff. And that's a whole extra cost that you can't even, uh, I don't even want to calculate on this. So let's go back to the math. We talked about the million-dollar loan. There's 70000 And if you're putting money towards the, the mortgage, you're now at least 100000 in terms of payments. You're probably 2 to 3% on the cost. So let's go with 3%. 45000 45000 So now we're up to 145000 after tax to carry a million and a half cottage. Usually people in the lowest tax bracket aren't buying cottages, are they? It's tough. So, it's really tough. So if you're in the high tax bracket, what's that costing you? How much money do you have to make? You would have to make, in, in this country, over $300,000 worth of household income just for the cottage alone. Not many retirees have that type of income, do they? Not at all. So that's one of the issues is even if you'd paid down the mortgage by the time you retired, you're still left with that $45,000 a year in maintenance costs. Now, the the difficult part is it's not a smooth line. So it's not $45,000 a year plus inflation. It's a very bumpy line. You might have some years where it's only 20000 and the next year's 80000 and then the next year's down to your average of 45000 So it's very different than your home. Your home has some lumpy expenses. The cottage has a lot more lumpy expenses. Yeah. And I have people buying 
not only cottages, I have clients buying, let's say, recreational properties all over the world. Obviously, there's Florida. A lot of people do things down there. But now people are going to places like Portugal, Mexico, different areas like this because there seems to be better deals out there. But again, all the problems we talked about the cottage, let's multiply those by five when you deal with another country, right? We think it's hard to have to go and deal with the maintenance people up in uh, somewhere up in Muskoka. Try dealing with them when you're out of the country down in Mexico. It's a whole different situation. So Mike and I have had a an investment uh, property in Florida now. And so that is an investment property. We rent it out. We uh, Neither of us use it much. And we've had it now for, this is our 13th year. It's now debt-free, but it is certainly not maintenance-free. And, you know, often things happen, whether it's, you know, refrigerators, dishwashers, because it's in Florida, uh, the appliances don't seem to last as long because of the variations in heat that can occur or, or just the high temperature itself. There's always something that needs replacing in a rental property. And permanent things like last year, that hurricane hit or a year and a half ago, and the insurance rates went up. You know, our maintenance fees went up by about 40%. And that's not a one-time increase. That's forever now our maintenance fees will be 40% higher. And those are things you may not take into account when you originally buy these things. A number of years ago, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, I was down viewing other financial advisors' offices, and this was in Cincinnati and the surrounding area. And we got to meet with a, a fam, what's called a family office. And they looked after, this particular family office looked after money for one family in particular. And there was about 85 people that were part of the family, and they had, you know, they were just shy of being billionaires. And they said their biggest problem that they had was the toys that their clients buy. And, and there's not a lot of planning on the toys. They just come in and let their advisor know on a Monday that they bought a new cottage, they bought a yacht, they bought a plane, they bought a fast boat, and can you make sure it's paid for? Yeah. And their problem was never the purchase price. It was the maintenance cost of everything. And they went and said, people don't understand. And this is the reason why we say massive amounts of athletes, pro athletes end up in trouble. Lottery winners go in trouble. They think more about the purchase price and not the ongoing maintenance. You know, everyone wants a Ferrari, but have you ever brought a Ferrari in for a (laughs) tune-up? A break job is $10,000 or $20,000. So it's stuff that people don't really calculate. Next, let's go back to foreign properties. We talked about the difficulty of, of just sort of managing that foreign property on an ongoing basis. What are some of the other issues if you've got a property? And, and Florida, I wouldn't necessarily call a foreign property, but if you're in, in Mexico or you're in one of the Caribbean islands or Hawaii or, or Portugal, things get much more complicated. What are some of the issues, Mike? Well, let's start off with, I mean, whenever you go into foreign countries, first of all, you got to deal with foreign governments, right? So you don't know what the situation in that country. We're very lucky. We have... You won't catch me saying we're lucky with the government, but our government is least stable, I'll put it that way, which is a luxury in the world because many places don't have stable governments. You go to South America, you can get a beautiful place, but all of a sudden a new government would take over. So rules can change quite a bit. On the other side of things, it very much complicates in the state. So from an estate planning point of view, if you have country properties in different parts of the world, you don't know the tax laws in there. You don't know if you're ever going to be able to get that money out or what type of tax they're going to sell, charge your family or if they're going to have inheritance tax laws. It gets very complicated. Even to transfer properties in other countries is very, very difficult. One of the reasons you might buy that second property is not just for yourself and your partner or spouse. 
it could be that you're hoping that the family can spend some great family time there. There's nothing better than going away into another country. And I feel it's like, you know, especially with my adult children, I feel I, I get to kidnap them for a week and, and have things back to the way they used to be. Comment on that. Things aren't the way they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're all adults now. <laughs> so uh, that brings, you know, different things to the table. They're all legal drinking age. So the cost of bringing them down for a week is much more expensive. Yeah. Just going out for dinner is much more expensive. So you got to factor that into the equation. And and distance is another thing. You know, if if I've got kids out in the West Coast, are they gonna want to come down to a place in Florida? That's a that's a long flight. Yeah. And again, when you go into an estate planning point of view, everyone has this dream that everyone wants their cottage and the kids are gonna happily live in the cottage forever as one big happy family. All your kids, their spouses, their kids are gonna run and play every day and water ski like we used to as kids. Does that happen much? It really doesn't. It doesn't, not nearly as much as you might think. There's periods where it does, but you know, it's like life. There's, there, there's those periods and they're pretty short. And then there's a big gap between when grandkids come along and, and so on. So I'm not so sure. So Mike, we've talked a lot about the negative side of, of owning a cottage. Yeah. Would you give yours up? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, not a minute. <laughs> do you hope your kids... My, would keep that my kids' family's going to run and play in together. All their kids are going to be playing together. I'm as I'm as out of it as every client that says that. I believe my family will be loving it together, playing three generations down. I figure in the year 2200, my family would still be in that cottage. Kids of mine, but who knows? It's good to have those dreams, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, it, it is. I would be the same. I think having a cottage is great. It, it's a big commitment and it's a big financial commitment and it does not go away in retirement. And you, if you're doing proper retirement planning, you got to actually use the, the, the 3% number. You know, you can't be, oh, I think it'll only cost me 20 grand a year to maintain the cottage. You're, you're, you're lying to yourself if you do that. So we love having a second property. We think it's a great idea. It's a big commitment. Make sure you're ready for that commitment. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.